It's all been leading to this. In one corner, Damon Anglin. In the other, Kyle Durand. Both arguing about a man in spandex named Spider-Man. Who will win? Who will lose? Who will... (coughs) Fuck. Just play the episode. Welcome to Planet Fantasy. This is not the normal voice you're hearing. I'm Wahid. You've heard me on this podcast many times before. I am lucky enough to be the first judge and host of the new series, Fantasy Face-Off. But before I explain that and before we get to it, I'm going to kick it to Damon, who's going to tell you the winner of the past two episodes, 2000s Movies and then 2000s TV. Yes. So... In the 2000s movie draft, it was actually the three of us, myself, Kyle, and Wahid. Uh, I pulled out the win with 23 votes. Kyle got five, and Wahid got... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolute runaway. I think the combination of the Lord of the Rings and the fact that no one else drafted a Lord of the Rings movie, so I got all the Lord of the Rings votes. You got the iconic movies, like the IPs. Oh, I love IPs. I stand by all my choices. <laughs> You're, it, they were all good boards. That's the thing, you know. Um, and then in 2010's TV series, Anna gets the win at 38 votes. Ooh. I get 30. And Kyle gets 22. Very respectable. Much like closer. For everybody. Yeah. Anna had Game of Thrones, The Good Place, and Supernatural. I don't. She could have picked literally anything for that last pick, but the fact yeah. that she had Outlander was just solid. So I, it was good. I knew she was going to wreck us, but it wasn't <laughs> that bad. But that's the winner's corner for this episode. Back to the host, Wahid. All right. So, fancy face off. We're going to be having Damon and Kyle, who I'm sure you recognize their voices by now, going against each other in. Five different fantasy debates about a topic. This week's topic is Spider-Man. One of my favorite superheroes. One of Kyle's favorite superheroes. And I'm sure one of Damon's favorite superheroes as well. They know their shit. I know quite a bit as well. But I am here to be as impartial of a judge as possible. And I'm going to let you guys know my judging style up front. So that way you can't complain about it later. Uh, I'll be judging a lot based upon the facts that they present, the textual evidence, but also it's a podcast. We're here to have fun. It's going to be about if it's funny, that's going to work. They can persuade me that's going to work. If it's better for the podcast, it's going to work. So, you know, we like creativity here. I support it, but I know these guys are smart and they know their shit. So I know I'm going to get the factual stuff as well. So we'll see what they can do. We're going to start off. With our first topic, which is going to be best movie Peter Parker, and they're going to be the ones deciding who goes first and second in this. Um, and just to give you guys a little bit, uh, 
We're going to play the list game first, and then I'll go into the rules of how it's going to work um, for this first one. Right. So the list game for this is going to be pretty simple. I just want you to name every... We're going to name every version of Spider-Man that's existed in the comics or movies. That's what we're going to go for for this one. Ooh. And they're going to have five seconds per list, per time. Uh, so, so this is speed memory. This like, is a speed um... one. Okay. Whichever one of you wants to start. Kyle, you can go first. All right, let's get out of the way. Peter Parker. Penny Parker. Uh, Peter B. Parker. Miles Morales. Um, Spider-Ham. What's his name? Peter Porker. Yep. Spider-Man Noir. Uh, ben Riley. Spider-Man 2099. I believe Flash Thompson donned the suit at one point. Flash Thompson did in the comics once donned the suit. Superior Spider-Man Doctor when Otto Octavius took over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great arc. Um. Uh, Gwen Stacy. And that's time. Blank. <laughs> oh. oh. Thank God. There's, I was. I couldn't think of anything else. I'm sure there's more though. There's more. There's more. But there I are can't. more. I don't know too many more, so I'm glad it ended there. <laughs> Thank God Wait, for the Spider Verse. If I would have said like black suit Spider Man, would that have counted? No, because that's still Peter Parker. That okay. was always still Peter yeah. Parker. Though that was just the symbiote. Yeah, that's true. Sure. Okay. <sighs> okay. So. Okay, so Kyle won the list game. He's going to decide who goes first or second. And how this is going to work is you're going to be hearing a lot more from them and a lot less from me from here on forth. Um, <laughs> they're going to have four minutes each to do their opening arguments. I will be keeping the time using my phone, so I don't know if the buzzer will translate, but I will definitely say time when time is up at the very least. Um, and then after they have each gone through their arguments... They're going to have two minutes to rebut each other, and then I will come back in and make my decision uh, based upon the, the whole argument overall and whatever persuaded me slash made me, made me laugh. So, uh, Kyle, I'll let you get ahead to picking who's going to go first. Okay, so initially I was worried I just wouldn't know Damon's picks. We talked before the podcast, and now that I know where he's at, I have more time to kind of like, prepare so i think i'm gonna have damon go first i'll defer and go second oh okay, okay. uh damon will be going first you'll have a four minute opening argument uh whenever you're ready i'll start the timer when you start talking so toby mcguire was 27 andrew garfield was 29 when they decided to be spider-man our boy tom holland was i believe 19 when he decided to be Spider-Man, uh, I believe in Civil War. And I think he just plays a very, very authentic version of Spider-Man, the very young version of a Peter Parker that I think is one of our favorite styles or eras of uh, Spider-Man. It's not the only one, but I think it's one of the funnest. You really get the dynamics of the 
of the high school dilemmas, trying to hide it from everyone and, and still live life and still be a superhero trying to figure it out. Tom plays that very well. Um, Tom is a very athletic and talented person. I mean, he was a very well-trained dancer. Um, so he, he kind of almost pulls off the kind of a presence of what a teenage Spider-Man would look like. Um, he brings a very fun, nervous energy to the role of a Spider-Man. Uh, you know, it, it gives you a lot of fun quips and everything as far as the Spider-Man vibe. He does that a lot and really well. Uh, it's super important for that for Spider-Man. You know, he's the guy who's always talking when fighting, always, you know, getting the last word out and, and just pretty much being a fun smartass. It, it's, you know, he's pretty good at that without being too... He's not very mean in any way, though, I would say. He could get a little bit more edgy, if anything. I would say that, uh, if any weakness for him. But he's also kind of portraying a different type of Spider-Man, you know, one that's that works in the MCU. A lot of people would say this is a weakness, but his connection with Tony Stark actually, I think, is a is a strength for these movies and his character. Um, I think it's fun, you know. I think it's a good building point towards the Avengers and hitting those very high emotional points that we love in those movies don't happen, I would say, without the building in these movies. And so I think, um, I don't know, I, I believe Tom Holland is a fantastic Spider-Man and a Peter Parker. He's really good at both points. Uh, you know, I would say some of the other Spider-Man actors are good at one and not very good at the other, you know, vice versa. I think he hits both very well. Um, let's see. And yeah, I mean, I don't have too much else to say. That's that's my thoughts. How much time is left? You still have a minute and a half to keep going. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I, I will cede my time. I, I have everything I wanted to say about, about why I think he's the best. Okay. Damon has chosen to cede his time. So... That was Damon Kyle. I will start the timer for you with your opening argument with four minutes on the clock whenever you're ready. Okay, so like Damon said, the first thing he brought up was age. Now, I understand the importance of giving us a Peter Parker who is young, especially when you want longevity. You know, you want him in the franchise for a long time. Contrary to popular belief, though, like, Spider-Man isn't always portrayed as this young character, right? A lot of his most iconic stories happen beyond high school, when he's in college, when he's getting his first job with the planet, a lot of that stuff. So I'm going with Tobey Maguire. Now, I had to check and make sure I really believe this because we all know I'm very biased towards these movies, but we're talking about best on-screen Peter Parker. So this is kind of like the Batman question, right? Because Damon said it. A lot of actors get Bruce Wayne right. A lot of actors get Batman right. It's hard to get both. This is about Peter specifically, and I think Toby gets Peter perfectly. Yes, he was 27, but that almost adds to it because he's so fucking awkward. Everyone in that movie is so old, and it works because he's so awkward. He's an absolute nerd. He's sincere as hell. He, um, you know, you have to balance something as Peter Parker. With Andrew Garfield, he's really likable, but almost too much to where it's like, I don't believe this kid's ever been picked on in his entire life, right? He's like a hipster who skateboards everywhere. Tom Holland's kind of the same way. Like, I fucking love Tom Holland. I just want to give him a hug. And so I don't believe anyone would ever want to bully that kid. And that's a huge, crucial part of Spider-Man. So much of Spider-Man 
that connects with kids reading comics is that they see themselves as that bullied kid in high school and as, as that nobody, right? The MCU kind of strips all that from him. He's not unique in that way. He's just a kid at a science high school who's really smart, but uh, he doesn't really rely on himself for a lot of things. He relies on his uncle Tony for a lot of his tech. Um, and as far as, again, portraying a Peter Parker, you have Tobey Maguire, who in the first movie is just a kid who lives with his uncle and aunt who just dreams about like being with the girl next door. It's very relatable. It's very dorky, right? But you get the, for one of the first scenes is him missing the bus and trying to run and catch up with it. Like it's just done so well. And again, Tobey Maguire, you know, if you take the fact that Yes, he's an ugly crier. Yes, he does that horrific dance down the street in Spider-Man 3. Which, by the way, if we're talking about hot takes, I fucking love that scene because it's so in character. Yeah, it's supposed to be stupid because it like that's why that's how a nerd would act if he got any semblance of power. You know, he got an ego trip. He would be the dumbass dancing down the street, right? Hitting on Gwen Stacy. Uh, Tobey Maguire, I think, nails the part of Peter Parker that is a dick sometimes. He is a nerd who thinks he's entitled to more. Guess what? Spider-Man isn't always the best character. He's flawed, right? Like, he's a nerd who kind of believes that mindset of, like, I'm a nerd, so I've been picked on, so I deserve this, and I deserve more. That's what Tobey Maguire does. And you especially see that in Spider-Man 3. He's aged up. He's out of high school. And he's a character who thinks he's deserved this life because he's been Spider-Man protecting his city. You know, you get Spider-Man 2 where he wants to walk away from his life as Spider-Man, right? They adapt the Spider-Man No More story. And you get the fact that he is struggling with the fact that he wants to live a life as a normal human being and not as a superhero. I yield my time. All right, Kyle, yielding his time with 30 seconds left. Um, all right, we're going to go to Damon for his two-minute rebuttal, which you can start whenever you're ready. I like Tobey Maguire. Uh, I, I just did a rewatch, you know, to get ready for this, to make sure I was firm on my, my decision of Tom being over Toby, and I stand with it. Toby's good, but I still feel like his awkwardness is almost... It's almost to the point of satirical at some points. It's almost a little wink, wink. Hey, this is a comic book movie, Sam Raimi style, which I like and I love. Like, I, I love those movies. I really do. But I do think I prefer the mo more earnest, uh, you know, very younger, learning everything, trying to figure out everything going forward, kind of Spider-Man story and energy and vibe that Tom gives us in that storyline. Um, Toby's also, it's just really like, it is hard to believe the fact that he's a 18, 18 year old kid. It, 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 it's just like, of course that is a, the fault of 2000s movies in general, you know? Uh, so I guess I can't blame the movie too much on that, but I, I feel like having, as far as having Spider-Man in the MCU, it was by far the best route they would they should go and they could go. I think it was a very smart decision going with the younger Peter Parker. I believe uh, it works right as far as uh, the connection with Tony. I think it builds going forward as he gets older to become a more of a leader, more stories for him going f uh, further. Um, I'm very excited to see what we get with No Way Home and hopefully we get like three or four more movies with them at least. 
Um, so I think Tom Holland's my vote for sure. Toby's okay. I just Tom. I think Tom's much better. That's all. All right. Uh, about ten seconds left there. Uh, not bad. Not bad. Uh, I will save all my thoughts for the end. Kyle, whenever you're ready, your rebuttal. Two minutes. Whenever you go, ready to go. So Peter Parker was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko to send one message, and that is that no matter what the circumstance, anyone can be great. Anyone can be special. They can rise above their tragic circumstances and be special. Uh, They created this character who is a Jewish boy that kind of lives in poverty. He lives with his uncle and aunt, doesn't have much. His parents are dead, um, and he has to rise above that. He's a very much an everyman type character. He's not really portrayed that way anymore, but that that was the initial goal, right? He was this character that we could see ourselves in. Um, And another defining characteristic that I think doesn't get enough play is the fact that Spider-Man, as much as he quips and is a humorous character, and I love that. I love how funny Spider-Man is. He's also a, a person like marked by guilt, right? Like one of his defining motivations is guilt. He feels guilty over his uncle's death. In many incarnations of his story, he's directly responsible, right? Like, it's his fault that his uncle dies. He, uh, spoilers for, you know, 50-year-old comics, he's responsible for the death of the love of his life for Gwen Stacy. Um, he basically carries that, and that defines every decision he makes as a superhero. We don't see that with Tom Holland. The closest we ever get is in Civil War in his introduction Ironically, one of my favorite scenes with him um, when he first meets Tony Stank uh, (laughs) and he basically beats around the bush about saying the responsibility line and says, when you can do what I do and you can't, people get hurt. And that's the only time you see him show any remorse over things that have happened. Otherwise, he doesn't feel any guilt. And that is a huge part of the character. We see that with Toby in all three movies. And that's why Toby is my choice. All right. Both of you not using the full time. I like it. I like it. Um, All right. I do have a clear decision and a clear winner. It is – and I will tell you, this is not my personal choice of who I think is the best Spider-Man, but who I think made the best overall argument here was Kyle. And I think I got to give it to him with Tobey Maguire. Um, The way he was talking about the awkwardness, the everyman character, bringing up the origins was really a good move. I really enjoyed the way he talked about how Peter Parker was portrayed as an everyman, is an everyman. And I do think bringing up the fact that Spider-Man is quippier than Peter Parker is was a very good point in his favor. Because this is best movie Peter Parker, not best movie Spider-Man. I'm going to give a little bit of a shout out to Damon here because he picked the one who I thought would win. Tom Holland is the one who I think is the best movie Peter Parker personally. If I was you, Damon, I would have brought up the fact that he made his own web shooters, which is a very important part. And the the fact that Kyle hit the nail on the head with the everyman stuff, but he was a really smart, brilliant everyman, which I think is something the MCU portrays. And if you had brought that up, it might have been edged to you. But just the overall arguments, the way Kyle was talking about and the passion Kyle had was very strong. So I got to give it to him in the end. Um He's a Toby simp. I'm a Toby yeah. simp. I had to go for it. Also, shout out, though, to Jake Johnson, because there was a very real possibility that I could have gone with him. For the limited screen time he has, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> I think I think that's also would have been a fair choice, since this this could have been that. You could have gone that route if you had wanted. I'm surprised no one did, actually. 
Well, if we had decided to just do best Peter Parkers, mine was definitely going to be the '90s animated version. Oh, great! Oh, call. Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been a, that would have been a great call. That's a good Peter Parker, even though he's like completely like swole and like. <laughs> You know, it never makes sense, but I love it. it I, I still love that version. It works. It works. That's that's my original Spider-Man that I grew up on, so I love it. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's go ahead and let's transition into the next topic so we can keep it rolling. Or do you guys want to take a break? Let's, let's jump to a break and we'll go to the next. Are you in turmoil because your beloved hosts are arguing too much? Have I got the solution for you? Soylent Green. It's a drink that will calm your nerves right down. Calm your stomach. It's like ginger ale, but better. You just take a drink. Don't think about the ingredients. Don't think about the ingredients. And it'll wash right down like a uh, glass of warm milk. Soylent green. There's ingredients, but we're not allowed to say them. All right. And we're back to Planet Fantasy. This is our fantasy face-off episode about Spider-Man. I'm your guest host and judge, Waheed. Uh, Kyle scored a win in the first one with his pick of Tobey Maguire as best movie Peter Parker, which I think is a key component here. And now we'll be heading to our next one, which uh, we're going to decide we're going to play another quick little list game to decide what it is. The topic's best live-action move Spider-Man movie, and our list game is going to be on theme... Name any actor from a Spider-Man movie. And again, you have five seconds to name an answer. If you can't name an answer, you're out. And then your opponent gets to win. So we'll start with Kyle this this time because he won the last round. And I like winner's choice over loser's choice. Uh, The best, J.K. Simmons. Tobey Maguire. Kirsten Dunst. Andrew Garfield. Rosemary Harris. Tom Holland. Uh, Cliff Robertson. Zendaya. Thomas Hayden Church. J.B. Smoove. Love him. Um, (laughs) Elizabeth Banks. Willem Dafoe. Alfred Molina. James Franco. (laughs) Um, Bryce Dallas Howard. What's his name? Oh, God. I'm a oh, crap. I'm out. No, I blanked. Hey, no, that's I, time. On Sandman's name, it, it, is it? Oh, already, I already said Kyle had already picked it. That was Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So Kyle is the winner of the list game again. <laughs> I'm okay with that. And remember, this topic is best live-action Spider-Man movie, so that means none of the cartoons are eligible, and that includes Into the Spider-Verse. So, Kyle, do you want to go first, or would you rather have Damon go first again? I'll take this one first. Okay. Whenever you are ready, you may start. Okay, so we're talking best and not favorite. That's where I'm going to start getting real specific because we all know my favorite. Uh, I drafted it in the, the 2000s movie podcast. It's the original Spider-Man from 2002. But the best Spider-Man movie is unequivocally Spider-Man 2 from 2004. 
Um, you have the perfect dynamic between hero and villain. There is a true relationship between the two characters. I love the dynamic between him and Green Goblin in the first one, but you know, it's kind of a more classic uh, traditional hero villain relationship. And this one, it's personal, right? Doc Ock is his mentor. He's a character he looks up to who he sadly sees kind of descent into madness. Um, and speaking of that, Alfred Molina, one of the best performances of, of a villain in a superhero movie. He's tragic. He is, uh, he has real relatable goals and motivation. You don't agree with him, but you understand why he's doing what he's doing. And he doesn't just die. He has a great turn that feels genuine and sincere. He realizes the error of his ways and decides, you know what, I'm going to help and I'm going to sacrifice myself. It's an incredibly emotional and fitting end to his arc. Um, you also have the adaptation of one of the most iconic Spider-Man stories in the comics, Spider-Man No More. Like I mentioned earlier, you have Peter deciding, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I'm not Spider-Man anymore. I want to just live my life. And he, you have the great dream sequence where he is in the car with Uncle Ben and tells him, no, I'm not Spider-Man anymore. I don't want to do that. And he, you have the really cheesy uh, raindrops keep falling on my head sequence where he's just out kind of chilling as Peter. And he watches someone getting mugged and just kind of walks past like a dick. Uh, <laughs> but it's great. It's this amazing sequence where like, wow, yeah, if I was in that position, I would grapple with that too. I would be like, no, fuck it. I just want to be a normal person and live my life. Um, you also have what is still, I mean, the movie came out in 2004 and the train sequence holds up as one of the best action sequences in a superhero movie. It's, I mean, it's long and it's hard for an action sequence that's longer than like two minutes to still be gripping, but it's so incredibly exciting. You get real danger. What I love about the Raimi movies is that Peter gets fucked up in them and he, like, like he actually gets hurt and he gets messed up in the train sequence. You get the really amazing scene in the subway after that where all the New Yorkers lift him up and kind of defend him against Doc Ock, which is so cute and like sweet. Uh, great behind the scenes detail is the two kids who tell him like, don't worry, we won't tell nobody. That's Tobey Maguire's little brothers. Uh, Sam Raimi put them in the movie as a favor to him. Really cute scene. Um, you get the best performance from Kirsten Dunst across all three movies, which I will say as a huge fan of the movies, I don't think she's the best in them. And I think that she's really great in Spider-Man too. Um, she gets the most to do, which I think, you know, she was a little underserved in them because they didn't give her character much writing. Um, but you get the conflict between her and kind of having this relationship with, uh, J Jonah Jameson's son, but also Peter still wanting to be in her life. And of course you get the ending of him deciding or her deciding to be with him and, choosing choosing him and you get the great final shot of her telling him go get him tiger go be spider-man and he leaves and you see her face transition from excited to oh god what have i done now i'm destined to this life of being in love with a superhero who might die any day it's this really great like impactful moment um i just think the movie is everything a spider-man movie should be we're talking about Spider-Man the character. There are other movies that explore his relationships with other Avengers better or other characters, but if you're talking about a, a standalone Spider-Man story, it's got to be Spider-Man 2. Okay. <clears throat> Good opening, solid opening argument from Kyle, hitting many, many nice emotional beats and points there. All right, Damon, whenever you are ready, begin talking. All right, Spider-Man 2 is a good movie. It's one of my favorites. But when I what I consider the best live action movie, uh, and I didn't know it was that until I rewatched it a couple of times. But it it is Spider Man Homecoming. 
uh, Homecoming is such a super fun Spider-Man movie. Uh, you know, we've already met this Spider-Man in Civil War, and so we have this setup of Spider-Man really wanting to do, you know, this big stuff, constantly waiting for the call to go help the Avengers, you know, really just help Tony again, you know. He uh, he tries too much. He, he gets he gets in over his head, pisses Tony off. Uh, we see Peter have to, you know, come to grips and make a mo- uh, decision of what, what he needs to do and who he is and, like, do it for himself, uh, you know. And I really like that kind of uh, motivation in that story. Uh, there's some really great scenes in this movie, uh, include, like, the fairy scene, really well shot, super intense. Uh, pretty thrilling. You have every scene with Keaton's Adrian Toomes, the Vulture, I think is a really, really good villain. I think one of the better villains of the MCU. Um, one that, of course, also doesn't die, which is also a win in my book. They did the movie well for that. Uh, he's just brilliant in this role and owns it. You know, he's kind of despicable. He's kind of got, got that charm, that kind of like that grimy charm and that scene with him and his daughter and, and Peter where they're, you know, in the car and they pretty much figure out who each other are is amazing. Really fun. Uh, it was really like, Oh crap, this is happening when you first see it for the first time. That's really well done. Uh, this movie also really gave us, you know, valid proof that this Spider-Man was going to work and work inside the MCU. You know, um, I think it just, it did what it had to do. Um, it connected the dots. It made us like the Spider-Man. It was a different Spider-Man, but I think the changes were were necessary and work well still. Um, this movie also gave us hot hot uh, hot Aunt May. You know that's a win. Uh, it gave us Ned. I think is a really fun character, an amazing uh, armchair guy. He's really great, uh, and I really hope he becomes you know even more important going down the line. I think he's supposed to be maybe like a hobgoblin. That would be great. But uh, their their friendship is is really fun, and you see how you know how much they they like each other in that. You have Zendaya as Michelle. You know their version of MJ. I, I think that's a really fun spin on the character and how it's you know not exactly that character. So it gives them a little bit more free reign of what they want to do. Um, I, I I like that. I like that uh that change that switch up. Uh, let's see. I also just like the fact that uh. This movie is really good. It's really fun. And it's honestly like a super fun high school coming of age rom-com in, in MCU form. And it was just another showing that M- the MCU can make any kind of genre movie they want and it work well. While also it's still, in my opinion, being a very good Spider-Man movie. Okay, you're dealing with Spider-Man trying to live life and trying to also be Spider-Man and fumbling at times and succeeding at other. He he lets the pressure be too much for him. You have the added uh, combination of Tony and trying to impress him and those expectations. And I think that that puts a different kind of pressure on him as Spider-Man. And I think it's fun and interesting to see how he reacts, how he kind of fails and how he kind of uh, bounces back from that, you know? And then of course, like the, the end scene is really great and climatic. And then how, you know, you have where Adrian decides to not rat on him at the end. That's a really nice little touch. And, uh, yeah, I just really, really love this movie and I have nothing bad to say about it. All right. And that is time. 
I'm impressed someone actually used all their time for once. You do not get a bonus points for saying it in less time. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we're going to be heading to the rebuttals next. Kyle, whenever you are ready, feel free to start. Homecoming is, despite my angry rants on Facebook, a good movie. It is a good John Hughes movie. It's a good high school movie. It's a fun coming-of-age movie. It is not a Spider-Man movie. It's basically Peter Parker trying to be an Avenger for two hours or however long the runtime is. It's Peter Parker relying on his Uncle Tony for all of his tech. You get what could be his big defining moment as a hero when he goes to try and save the people from, from the cruise ship, which is a really cool moment. And then yet again, he's bailed out by Tony. Uh, they even make a joke about it, like, well, he's not even there. No, he is, and he walks out of the suit. Um, you didn't even mention the actual best scene in the movie, which is the one time he relies on himself uh, when he has to lift all the rubble off of himself. Um, great moment, great callback to that iconic comic frame. Uh, I'm trying to say all these nice things about it because it's not a Spider-Man movie. It's a fun high school movie, and it's a fun movie about a character who desperately wants to be an Avenger, which is fun because it's an MCU movie, so I understand why they have to do that. But as a standalone Spider-Man movie, this is where Spider-Man 2 wins because it's about Peter Parker the entire time. It's about his relationships with Mary Jane, with Doc Ock, with Harry. I didn't, even, I didn't even mention that. One of the best scenes is heartbreaking is Harry and him at the club when Harry is trying to blame him for his father's death and you know slaps him in front of everyone. It's, it's heartbreaking. You get Harry finding out that he is Spider-Man at the end of the movie. Um, all of that leads to it being a great standalone Spider-Man movie. It's in its own trilogy, so it relies on that, but it's still a Spider-Man trilogy, so it's contained in its own universe. The... Uh, homecoming is reliant on being a part of a shared universe. So there's always going to be ties to other things and make it less of a Spider-Man standalone story. All right. And that was Kyle's rebuttal. Very strong, very strong indeed. Okay, Damon, whenever you're ready, feel free to start. I would argue that, just because the Spider-Man uh, Homecoming is a part of a shared universe and has to deal with a lot more restrictions and characters and storylines, that's just Spider-Man. That's the comic book way. That's how it does. You know, you're you're in this world of all these characters and you're a part of it. And I think it does an amazing job at doing that and still being a story about Spider-Man and being its own story, separated even from that. Um, as far as Spider-Man Two. It is one of my favorites, and it is hard to argue against it because I do love this movie. I really do. I almost picked it. But there are flaws to it. I I really personally don't think Toby is at his best in this movie. I don't think he's the best, in my opinion, Peter Parker. I think he could be a little bit more convincing and more empathetic of an actor as Peter in it. That's my just personal opinion. Uh, that's why I don't I should have said that as to why I don't think he's a better Peter Parker in my other argument, <laughs> but I'm making it now. Um, it drags a little bit in the middle, you know, when you have Peter deciding not to be Spider-Man, continuing that. It, it's a little slow there in pieces. Um, it's a little tough looks for, you know, MJ leaving her, uh, hus you know, husband to be at the altar. Really rough, makes it kind of hard to 
kind of like MJ, especially when you couple this with the dunk thing. Like, she told Peter that she was in love with him at the graveyard, at the funeral of her ex's dad. Like, they didn't even leave. They were there <laughs> with Gracie behind them. So, MJ's not a very good character in general in these movies. Just saying. So, <laughs> my case is made. All right, and that's time. <laughs> well, I got to say, those those arguments were both very strong from both of you, both the Opening arguments were where I was I was neck and neck on opening arguments. I could not pick someone from the opening arguments. So this is mostly going to be based on the rebuttals. This is not recency bias, I promise. But I'm going to give the win to Damon on this one. It, I agree with what he said about the movie. I agree with what Kyle said about the movies, too. I don't think since Damon brought up the one of the key things here was Damon bringing up uh, the fact that it is a teenage high school rom-com John Hughes style movie and Kyle kind of using it and Kyle just bringing up that same point to make it seem like it's a negative because Spider-Man isn't all those things but there are iterations of Spider-Man that are those things and so that was really one of the big ones and then Damon just killing it with the jokes at the end it's oh, funny that and it ties great. it up it's 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 wonderful Damon you take this one uh Way to go. The absolute <laughs> personal attack on MJ. <laughs> I mean, it, it works. He's not wrong. Just couldn't even wait, like, to get in the car or anything. <laughs> it's like the body's still getting lowered into the ground. Dirt being oh put on the God. casket. She's like, Peter. Jesus. I know, I okay, know that's Damon. the end of Spider-Man 1 and not part of Spider-Man 2, but I don't <laughs> care. It's too good. <laughs> It's all right. It's, it's not the most controversial mention of an MJ on this podcast. Right, Wahid? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> all right, I'll take that W. Uh, I'd like all to thank people, the people being Wahid. <laughs> All right, Damon took the win in Best Live Action Movie with Spider-Man Homecoming. And now our next topic is going to be Best Movie Villain. And for this list game, which Damon will start with because he's the winner and, you know, I like winners. Uh, it's going to be Name Any Spider-Man Villain. We're going to go Shock. through them all. <laughs> Let's do it. I think we might can name them all. Craven. Shocker. Chameleon. Green Goblin. Scorpion. Sandman. Hobgoblin. Silver Sable. Sandman. The Lizard. Black Hat. Venom. Carnage. Fuck. <laughs> uh, shit. Um, and that's Ele time. Electro. Fuck! <laughs> oh. That's time. He just missed it. He just like missed it. Like sensory overload. There's just so many names. You can't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I thought it'd be fun. It's all about speed. Okay, did we, so Damon. Did we you say Dr. Octopus? No. I don't think so. You did not. And that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Damon, you get to choose who goes first for best movie villain. Just to remind the folks at home, it is four minutes for the opening argument, two-minute rebuttals, and then I make my decision. 
I, I'm going first. Let's do this. All right, whenever you're ready. Dr. Otto Octavius is a successful scientist who is working for Oscorp, you know, for the research and development head uh, ran by Harry Osborne. And he's trying to create this stable fusion power reactor along with his wife's help, you know, and we kind of know how that happens, how it goes uh, badly, very, very badly. Uh, it goes off the rails. His wife dies. He blames Spider-Man for it, sort of. In uh, the arms he uses to help him handle the machine infuse themselves into him. The inhibitor chip is broken, and essentially this these sentient arms essentially start to corrupt his mind, causing him to decide to uh, let his ego and greed fuel him, and uh, he's going to make sure his experiment happens no matter what. So he starts becoming, you know, pretty villainous. Uh, he goes to rob a bank uh, for that money, uh, and it kind of uh, happens that uh, Spider-Man's there, you know, with Aunt May. And unfortunately, Aunt May is used as bait, as hostage. That's that's kind of a Spider-Man's villain's move. They're really, really good at holding women hostage in these movies. It happens a lot. Just a lot, y'all. Um... But he gets away, you know, to fight another day. That's good. Um, but, you know, you see him, he, he's being corrupted. He, he's doing all these things. When you saw at first, he was this very, very nice guy. He was very uh, nice. He was trying to make this really, really bad joke. He was just dad joking it up. He seemed very in love with his wife. And now he's doing all these these crazy things. So back to that. Um, where am I? Okay, um, Dr. Ock and Harry decide to work together, you know, so that's the cool connection, and he, we get the really cool scene of him throwing the taxi into the cafe, really, really cool scene, he takes uh, Mary Jane as hostage, <gasps> another time, again, another, <laughs> um, and then he uses that as bait for Spidey, and then we get the amazing train scene, okay, um, and Doc Ock just shows how badass he is. Like, he pretty much kicks Spidey's ass, you know, there for a while. He holds his own. His uh, arms are super strong. He can climb, do a lot of different things. And then he, you know, he gets a, uh, he decides to use Spidey as his uh, diversion, you know, stopping the train. And he gets away. And then finally, when Spidey uh, stops it, he comes back to collect his, to collect Spidey and all that. And then finally, of course, we get the, the final showdown at the waterfront. You know, he's trying to cre recreate his machine. It's going off. Him and Spidey had the fight. And then we have Peter showing who he is, revealing that he's Peter Parker. He's, you know, they know each other and everything, work together. And he begs him, you know, he, he tries to, to talk him off the ledge. And he breaks the control of the arms. And he gives us this awesome redeeming moment. And he decides to take it, you know, a matter in his own hands. And he takes the machine down, crumbles the building, sacrificing himself to make sure it doesn't blow up half of New York and hurt anyone else. And he shows that he wasn't a bad guy all along, but he did some really, really bad villain stuff, which is really what we ask for in our best villains. Not always that they are the worst or the best at doing bad things, but they're complicated when they're doing it. That's it. Okay, nice, strong opening argument, taking us through the entire plot and arc 
of Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock. Okay, Kyle, <clears throat> whenever you're ready. Superman has Lex Luthor. Batman has Joker. And Spider-Man has Green Goblin. He's always been his arch nemesis. What better way to introduce him to mainstream audiences in 2002 than letting the absolutely unhinged Willem Dafoe play him, right? So picture this. I can't because I'm a baby and I didn't see it in the theater. But picture that you're in, in the theater in 2002 watching Spider-Man. Uh, and shut up, Waheed. Uh, <laughs> you're watching Look, Spider-Man. Man, make feel old, make feel old. And you get to see Willem Dafoe just chew the scenery for the entire runtime. Again, you're talking about the character's most recognized. This is a character who arguably has one of the best rogues galleries in all of comics. The right choice was to start big, start bold with his arch nemesis, bring in Willem Dafoe, and bring up the insanity of Green Goblin, right? He's not just this formidable villain. He's not just his best friend's dad. He's fucking nuts. <laughs> and you get that portrayal. And the best part is that they knew what they had in that first movie. So he dies, but he is a presence in all three of those movies. He is absolutely the main villain of that trilogy. He may not be alive and around in the, the next two movies, but he is still haunting Harry in both of the next two movies. Um, you talk about a character who is a foil for our hero. You get the really, really great scene in the first Spider-Man of him capturing him and having him on the rooftop and basically telling him, you know, you're a, you're a great creature. You're a, an equal, you know, we're equals. We're the same. You should give up being a hero, right? The city is going to hate you. Eventually we all love a good villain monologue, right? But this is not just a villain monologue explaining his plan. This is not him talking about how, how he's going to dominate the world. This is him convincing the character of Spider-Man to give up. Not because he wants him to be evil or for some stupid corny reason, but because he thinks he's right. He thinks that this city, I mean, this is New York we're talking about, this city is going to give up on you eventually. They're going to stop rooting for you. Eventually they'll hate you. So why be a hero in general? Why be a hero at all? Um, I love the relationship between him and Harry. You know, it's very complicated. And, and I love the Thanksgiving scene where he shows up and basically just berates MJ in front of him. It's really hard to watch, but Mullen Defoe plays it so well. You want a villain to be sinister. Uh, like Damon said, you want them to be complicated so that you're not just hating them the entire time. But you do also want them to be a villain. Like he is, they're not afraid to go that extra mile and make sure that we know he is a bad person in this movie. He's lost his way. He was just a distant father, but after the accident and he becomes a Green Goblin, there is no turning back. Um, you get the really fantastic kind of fake out at the end where he tries to appeal to Peter and, you know, Peter, be a son to me like I've been a father to you. And you get one of the most chill inducing scenes where Peter says, I have a father and his name was Ben Parker. And it's just fucking phenomenal. The music, the Danny Elfman score is flaring. Uh, it's great. And the fact that that works so well is because Green Goblin knows how to manipulate. He knows how to get in your head and he knows how to appeal to your humanity and those base desires that you still have. Peter Parker is still a kid that without a parent, without a parent. So he just wants a father figure. Green Goblin wants to be that for him in a twisted and sick way, yes, but he wants to be that for him. The comics have done this, and the movie does it as well. There's always been this mutual respect between the two of them, and that's present in this as well. You love a dynamic between a hero and a villain where they genuinely respect each other. They don't agree with each other, 
but Green Goblin respects Spider-Man, and that's why he's the best villain. Okay. Kyle with a strong, strong opening argument as well. And I got to say, I don't know if trying to make me feel old by reminding me that I saw the original Spider-Man in theaters is going to help your case. But it was a great experience. I'm sorry you didn't get to you didn't get to do that. It was awesome, especially as a Spider-Man fan. And it's a great fucking movie. Green Goblin's great. Doc Ock is great. Let's get to the rebuttals. Damon, whenever you're ready. So, I love Green Goblin. He is definitely probably the best and most influential and important villain in the rogues gallery of Spider-Man as far as comics go. As far as movies go, I think he was underutilized. I really do. Um, while he did play a really cool, fun, shadowy uh, part throughout the trilogy, you know, hanging over Harry, eventually, you know, invading his mind as like the goblin, you know, talking to him when he's not there and, and already passed. That was really cool. But I feel like when we say it, this is the best villain. And they kill him. So he's he's dead. After the first movie, you get this really cool scene, really cool, fun ending, right? Really good, really poignant. And they get to you the thing with Harry being mad. But I feel like you could get that without killing Norman Osborn, the most important and best villain, wouldn't you say? So therefore, I don't think he lived up to his best villain billing in the movies. While Willem Dafoe was great, was fun. I think they just definitely didn't give us enough. It didn't give us what we needed from Willem Dafoe's Goblin. I think we could have gotten a lot more. The trilogy, I think, could have been even better going forward, like definitely for the third. Um, You know, and even then, even if you do still have him dead, I think they could have had him be more prominent in the second movie, have him talking to Harry the whole time, you know, little whispers little nods like little flashes of him being around the corner and going away um so i I think just the fact that they portrayed doc ock i think really really well really great i don't really find many flaws in what they did with doc's character arc but they did for uh the goblin so that is my argument that's time all right i do love it when you guys use all the time Okay, Damon with a nice rebuttal. Kyle, <clears throat> whenever you are ready. Uh, Doc Ock also died at the end of his movie, so I don't understand what this argument is. Um, they both had the same amount of screen time. Actually, Willem Dafoe had more. He's more of a presence. We don't see Doc Ock showing up in a shadowy you know, way to taunt anyone or, or hunt anyone in Spider-Man 3. We do get Willem Dafoe. We get Green Goblin still haunting uh, James Franco as Harry. Um, Doc Ock is great. He, he was my original pick to tell that to the people. This is how confident I am in my argument because I didn't want to argue for Green Goblin. I wanted to argue for Doc Ock. Damon got it, and I'm glad he did, but I still think Green Goblin's the better villain because, like I said, he has a presence in the entire trilogy. Sure, he was underutilized in some scenes, but he is in the entire trilogy. Doc Ock is in one movie that may change next year or later this year, whenever no way home comes out, if the rumors are true, (laughs) but until then he exists in one movie and a really great PS4 game. Um, We have uh, green goblin in all three Spider-Man movies. We get a really shitty version of him in amazing Spider-Man two that I'm not going to talk about, but as far as Willem Dafoe's green goblin, 
Uh, he dominates that entire trilogy. He is a haunting presence. And again, you want an arch nemesis. You want a recognizable name who is going to challenge the hero, challenge his morals. Um, he's also just legitimately scary in parts of Spider-Man, the original. I love the moment where Spider-Man is at uh, May's bedside um, at the hospital and Green Goblin calls him and he's like, can the Spider-Man come out to play? Like, it's just fucking corny but it's scary and it's willem dafoe chewing all of the scenery uh alfred molina is also great it's a wonderful performance but it's more of a tragic character and not a villain he's a character that we just feel bad for and we don't want to see him continue doing the things we do we just want to see green goblin fuck shit up the entire movie also no other character can throw their voice like a fucking ventriloquist and sound like a human woman like green goblin did in that fiery building eat a fart <laughs> Green well, Goblin, that was tough. <laughs> that was, those were strong, strong rebuttals. I hate to say this, but Kyle, you get to be confident because you are the winner. You were more passionate. And when you, when Damon made the centerpiece of his rebuttal, the fact that, you know, Green Goblin died in the first movie when his character dies in the second movie, too, <laughs> and didn't bring up the, the great... He brought up the story, but didn't really take us through that end part there. If you brought, It was just hard once Kyle gave his rebuttal after that, and he just he nailed you on that point. And then he just goes through and hammers home with the impression as well, which was spot on. It was great. Uh, I, I can't really be mad. At that, it is Goblin. Green Goblin fair, is, is it I mean, it's the, it's me the most stunning performance. I, for the record, now that I've won, yeah, I I genuinely think Doc Gawk is the better villain and the better character, but I'm glad I won. <laughs> well, tell me what your argument have been for Doc Gawk against Goblin. Everything you said, that's the thing. Not that him dying, not <laughs> so the Green Goblin lose. dying, because that's, that's so, the, a moot point. But otherwise, uh, yeah, he's a tragic character. He is a complicated character. He's the most well-rounded of the villains. So I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I, no, I, will, I will say it came down to who could snipe the other's argument better in this one. And that's why Kyle won. He was able to snipe your argument better. Sometimes going second is a benefit with the rebuttals. Um it just it, it really does just depend on how the arguments are going out. Uh, and this time it just and Kyle brought the fiery passion at the end that that just really it really it really sold over the top. I it's hard to choose between the two, honestly. They're both great fucking villains. They're they are the two right choices. Like there's I, other I good villains, completely. but they are the two I, correct choices. I think there are up to three choices. I do think Adrian Toomes as the vulture was really good, but it, these two blow all blow blow them out of the water. Wouldn't have been a competition, most likely. I think that goes to show the difference between styles of movie making, honestly. But we can get into that on another episode. What we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our next topic: best Spider-Man scene. Do you love fantasy shows? Are you looking for that Avatar: The Last Airbender itch? Are you looking for something that has dragons, maybe? then I have just the show for you. Netflix's The Dragon Prince is three seasons of amazing and heartwarming story. You follow Callum and his brother, as well as their elf friend Rayla, as they try to save the last dragon. And it's just so well done. The animation is beautiful. 
and the fighting is is excellent. I can't rave about this show enough. And it's getting a whole three, four more seasons to finish the show. Uh, it's it's confirmed. So you have a lot to watch and look forward to. Dragon Prince. All right. Welcome back to Planet Fantasy. This is our fantasy face-off episode about Spider-Man. I'm your guest host slash judge. You know my name by now. I've been on here a bunch. So we're just going to get to it. We're going to be doing best Spider-Man scene next. And for this, our list game, which will be started off by Kyle, is going to be Spider-Man supporting characters. This can include supporting characters from the comics as well as the movies. So whenever you're ready. May Parker. Mobius. Ben Parker. Mary Jane Watson. Ned Leeds. Gwen Stacy. Betty Brandt. Flash Thompson. Harry Osborne. Eddie Brock. Norman Osborne. Kirk Connors. J. Jonah Jameson. Captain Jameson. Good. Oh, astronaut Jameson. <laughs> Oh, uh, if you had gotten his name, I would have given it to you, but you're out. I can't even think of his name, so I mean, if you want to count Jay that. It is J. Jonah Jameson Jr. Oh, of course oh, it is. Of <laughs> It's J. 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 Jr. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Season narcissist. I should not have gone for All right, that. Kyle's the winner of the list game. Kyle, would you like to go first or second for best Spider-Man scene? Uh, I'll go second. I'll defer. Okay, Damon, you are going to be starting us off. With best Spider-Man scene whenever you are ready, sir. Spider-Man saving the train in Spider-Man 2. It's it's just wow, okay? Like, on rewatch, it holds up so well. This is what you'd call a perfect blend of action, emotion, and high stakes. You know, first off, you have Mary Jane as a hostage for the tension. You have Spider-Man and Doc Ock have this intense and exciting fight on top inside on the side of the moving train uh we get the doc ock who breaks the train's brakes and leaving spidey to take care of it you know then you get spidey doing what he does best trying to save everybody quick thinking uh he he tries the web and and slow down the train and it breaks at first and then he tries again even with even more webbing and you know you get the ugliest looking face from toby mcguire ever just the ah, crying, yelling, mouth the gasp. But he's doing his thing, and it doesn't ruin the scene. It's just hilarious. Um, and then it finally slows down, you know, and you see him, like, just, like, pass out and about to fall down. And they, you know, you see the, the people in the train grab him and save him, bring him in, and they just, like, look at him with his mask off. Just, like, they're just, like, you know, this guy's a kid. It's just, a like, a young kid. He's, you know, in college. You know, that guy's like, you know, the same age as my my boy, you know, and and then Doc Ock uh, shows back up after it's all done. And, and Pete is just like exhausted and barely moving. He's back for it for him. And and everyone's just standing in his way, you know, like protecting Peter, protecting this kid, you know, who's been protecting them. And it's just such a well done scene. And, you know, he pushes them away, of course. And everything, and, and Spider-Man, Spider-Man has to make sure that they don't get hurt. 
but it's it's so well done from beginning to end. The fight, the fighting's really fun. Uh, it still holds up, like I said. You're breaking through all the glass. You're climbing on the side, going up the front. Uh, the breaking the brakes was, you know, really nice touch. You get how emotional and heartfelt, like Spider-Man wants to protect people in the in the city, and then you see how much they care for him, and like with that realization of how young he is, it's like just a really, really well done scene that I think about often, and honestly, like it is. It's one of the reasons why Spider-Man 2 is one of the better Spider-Man movies. It really is. Um, everything about it, I love it. And it's one of my favorite parts of any Spider-Man movie easily. And that's that's why I had to, I had to go for it. So, yeah. That's my pick. Still got a minute left if you want to keep going. If that's it, that's it. It's your choice. I mean... No, I mean, there's only so much you can say about that scene. I, I don't want to over just blabber. I'm, I'm good. All right. Damon is ceding his time. Damon with a strong, strong opening argument, I got to say, really taking us through that train scene perfectly, which is, I mean, it's it's a great fucking scene. If you haven't seen Spider-Man 2 and you're listening to this podcast, I watch the movie. It's great. That's what we've been telling you all along. All right, Kyle, whenever you're ready. Uh, so there are moments in superhero movies, TV shows, superhero content that can be described as like the hero defining moment, right? The moment where the hero comes into their own, finally becomes the person we wanted to, them to become by the end of the story. Um, for Miles Morales, it is the famed leap of faith slash what's up danger scene. Um I that's all I have to say for you to immediately have <laughs> have a visual of it. Uh, first of all, visually, it is like the rest of the movie. Cool as hell to look at. Um, that's one thing. One of the many things that movie exceeds. At. That's why we it's why we said best live action movie, not just best movie, because we would have just said Spider-Verse and not argued. Um, but uh, that whole movie that's is incorrect. visually just an absolute delight. And that scene in particular gives me chills. I've seen the movie maybe five times, and every time I see that scene, it just gets me. It, it gets me. I tear up. I mean, it's just this beautiful moment of this character who you love after just one movie. Like, we all loved Miles from the comics, but the way they introduce him, he's so endearing, so goofy and awkward, but you just love him and you want to root for him. Him finally coming into his own, getting the suit, deciding, you know what, I am going to go help these other Spider-Mans, Spider-Men, uh, and I'm going to go stop this crazy shit from happening. Leaping off the building, uh, it's iconically been recreated on the Miles Morales video game. Um, it's just one of those iconic visual scenes that is now forever a part of, like, not only Spider-Man movies, but just pop culture in general. Um, like I said, there are moments like this in all kinds of superhero content. I'm thinking of, you know... WandaVision, where Monica goes through the the rift or whatever you call it to get uh, to the, the other side and becomes Photon on the way, right? Like this incredible, she hears all the people in her life talking to her. It's this incredible, like, fist-pumping moment. And this is the moment for Miles. This is the moment where he truly becomes Spider-Man. The whole movie is him kind of failing upwards and getting some help from other people and having this great mentor relationship with Jake B. Johnson's uh or Jake Johnson's Spider-Man, but 
this moment is the moment where he truly becomes Spider-Man. He becomes the hero. He becomes the character that we knew he could be. And this is the reason why we want like 15 more of these Spider-Verse movies, because Miles is already just a really great character. He's fun to root for. But this scene is just utter perfection. Like I said, visually, it's an absolute delight. It's a treat. But if it was just a visual scene, it would be a Zack Snyder scene. It'd be empty. But the fact that it's there's depth to it. There's a point to it. There's a reason why you get chills watching it. It's not just because of the song. It's not just because of the the visuals going on. It's because it's about this kid who, you know, the whole message of the movie is that anyone can be Spider-Man. Anyone can be special. Anyone can be a hero. And this is him finally, like, legitimately believing that about himself for the first time. This is the first time in this whole story that he believes, you know what, I can be Spider-Man. I can be a hero. And that's him leaping off the roof. I love that it's uh, it's um, preceded by him, you know, seeing Aunt May and, and getting the suit from her. I love her involvement in this story, right? She's a lot more involved than in other Spider-Man movies. Um, but the idea that he gets the suit and decides, hey, the other crew is probably more capable than I, than I am. They've been Spider-Man longer than I have. Maybe they've got this handled, but it's all about responsibility, right? That's the defining part of Spider-Man. Maybe more Peter Parker than Miles, but he still has that sense of responsibility. He has that sense of ownership, and he decides, you know what? I have to be the hero. I have to be the person I believe in. Um, and that moment is just that all of that encapsulated in one scene. It's beautiful, and that's my pick. All right, Kyle with a strong, strong, strong opening argument there. Uh, taking us through the emotional feels of what of the what up danger leap of faith scene in Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Been waiting for it to make an appearance. I thought it might have earlier, but I'm glad it's here in some capacity. All right, we're going to move to the rebuttals. Damon, whenever you would like to start. What up, danger? What up, danger? <laughs> uh, that scene is amazing, and I would just like to object because I feel like anything Spider-Verse is inherently the winner already before any argument is being made. I can feel like Wahid has already said this win has already happened, regardless of almost what I say, <laughs> because of how good Spider-Verse is, okay? I feel like it almost almost unass- like assumed, like it was unspoken, that we wouldn't draft anything from it, even though we said it was allowed. So I just feel like it's like, yeah, sure, of course. Obviously, you know, that scene's awesome. But that whole movie is amazing and perfect. And my scene is also amazing and was made in when? 2002? 2004? 2004, right? And, like, that scene still holds up today. It, it's so emotional, so good. It really shows you, like, the connection between Spider-Man and the city of New York and its people. And while it maybe isn't a better scene, it's also more impressive, in my opinion, considering when it was made. And the fact that, like, Spider-Verse is a much, much more superior movie than Spider-Man 2. So, that's my case. (laughs) You you got 20 more seconds left if you want to continue your argument. That's all I got. All I can't say right. <laughs> Damon, with the very interesting rebuttal status of complaining, 
and then arguing. Um, we'll see how that turns out for him. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off. All right, Kyle, uh, you may start your rebuttal whenever you would like. Uh, <laughs> Damon's distracting me now. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man 2, look, I already talked about, when I talked about that movie, the train scene, I think it's an impressive feat. Like you said, it, between the two scenes, it is more impressive. Not only because of when it came out, just it's hard for an action sequence that long to be riveting. It is. There's real danger felt. There's real what's up danger felt. Ha <laughs> Uh, you get a really great just fight between him and... Yeah, I probably just sunk my argument there. Uh, you get a great fight between him and Doc Ock. It's great. There's danger felt. But if we're talking about a singular scene, right? A singular scene that encapsulates the theme of the story that it's in. Uh, it's What's Up Danger. It's The Leap of Faith by Miles, right? That whole scene, I'm pretty sure people have posted, whether it's like TikTok, YouTube, whatever. There have been clips of that one scene more than anything else in that movie, arguably more than anything else in a Spider-Man movie. Like, you ask any person for an iconic image clip from a Spider-Man movie, it's going to be one of a few things, and that will absolutely be one of them. It perfectly encapsulates Miles' entire journey up until that point. Again, the message is that anyone can be Spider-Man, anyone can be a hero. He thinks he believes that the entire story, but he doesn't, and he believes that at that very moment. I also want to shout out, this is not related to my argument, but I love that in 2018 we got two amazing superhero jump-off building scenes. We get that, and we get Shazam jumping off the building and turning into Shazam. Fucking cool, right? Uh, they must have shared notes, but... I love this moment. I think, like I said, it just defines Miles as a character. We're going to get more Spider-Verse movies, and I'm excited. I have no expectations because I didn't for the first one, and it blew me away. So I really am excited for the next few movies. But I honestly genuinely don't think there will be a moment that will top this one because it's just so iconic already, and it just exists in our cultural zeitgeist for the rest of forever. All right. Oh. Here we go. Probably have to make a decision, huh? Um, good rebuttals, I suppose. Uh, unfortunately, Damon, your your move did did, did not pay off. I'm gonna have to give Kyle the win. Uh, a, even though he did, he kind of made your a rebuttal for you in a sense, um, which was an interesting strategy. You both went an interesting way there, but Kyle finishing off, tying it back into the theme of the movie and the character arc. And, I mean, he did mention the, he mentioned the song. Uh, I thought there were arguments against it. The spirit of this was to, was to argue through, because it didn't matter what you picked, you could win. But Kyle is the victor here, because he actually argued for his own argument. What's up, Danger? It's also just a great fucking scene. <laughs> Damon, you're muted. We can't hear you. Damon, we can't hear you. You're muted. Hmm. I said <laughs> there's no beating that scene. There was no good enough argument. So I just went into an absurd ma direction. <laughs> I there's always really a good enough that. argument. I thought no, there was no beat. I thought Tom Holland was the clear winner in the first one, and yet somehow he pulled it off. So Oh, you mean in the first argument? I thought you were gonna in say the first argument. Scene. Yeah. There's no attacking that scene. There's no yeah, it's a negative. literal perfect scene. There's there's no nothing I could do, so I just had to attack the fact that it was so perfect. Damon, you should have been like the asshole and be like, "What? So what? I jump off buildings all the time." 
You think you're better than me? <laughs> you should leave all this in the podcast. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but right now, we're going to go to break before we do the final, final, uh, not deciding match. But it's going to be a fun one, I promise you. It's a fun topic. Uh, and I'll tell you about it when we get back. Hi there. Welcome back to Deep Thoughts with Kyle. Have you ever been attacked by an iguana? Oh, that's nice. Do you ever sit in the corner of your bedroom and think, where the hell did I go wrong? Where the fuck did I park my car? All right, and we're back on Planet Fantasy. This is the Fantasy Face-Off series. This is our Spider-Man episode. I'm your guest host and judge, Waheed. All right, so the score entering into our last topic, which is best on-screen romance, is three to one in favor of Kyle. However, eh, you know, there's always some backstage talk, and we have agreed to make this a winner-take-all match. And because we are so invested in our arguments when it comes to best on-screen romance, the list game is going to be randomly drawn by Kyle, and they will start and we'll make it a normal standard list game. So we'll give them a little bit more time. All right. Drawing a card. Let me shuffle them more. This podcast totally not sponsored by Blockbuster. I wish. <laughs> oh. We got to get it sponsored by something. Maybe maybe one day we can get it sponsored by Mystery Meat on Decatur Street. <laughs> All right, I've got one. Oh, that was played last week. Okay, I draw the I drew the Long Journey one again. Um, I still think that was bullshit, by the way. Uh, yeah. I have nothing work, work to, to add because I'm not that far into the podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next draw. Okay, it's pretty broad. Movies with a giant monster. This okay. could go for a while. Okay, yeah. let's do this. And I will, when I feel like there's been a lot of time, I'll give you guys a five-second countdown. But okay. I'm going to give you a little bit more time on this. We'll do this like a normal list game. All right. Cool. Godzilla. Kong. Skull Island. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim 2 Uprising. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong. King Kong. What's the second Godzilla called? Uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. Godzilla 98. Um, yeah, all of those. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Fuck. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, Lost World. <clears throat> Jurassic Park 3. Jurassic World. Jurassic World Dominion. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That's all of them. Those are all movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if this counts. I mean, dinosaurs are... Okay, uh, Jaws? I 
I'm gonna give you a five count. Pick a different movie. Right. That's just a, wait, wait. Did it say movie with big monster or just monster? Giant with a giant monster. Jaws is not giant. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, the Meg. I'll count the Meg. That is that is specifically a giant, is, giant creature. Yeah. Anaconda. Ooh, nice. Terrible movie. <laughs> I go play on rewatch. That that it was entertaining as a kid. Looks bad. Uh, it was a cool ride though. Yeah. Oh, okay. I would. Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. The Kraken. <laughs> okay. Wait, does the card say involving a giant monster or about? Movies with a giant monster. So just okay. it has to be in it. With, okay. I'm going to say it just has to be in it, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Power Rangers. Mighty Morphin hmm. Power Rangers. Are we talking the, the newest one? No, the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, okay. 9 from 95. They had a giant monster. They, you know, they booze. did. They did. Yeah. They did. Multiple. Uh, oh, everyone, because I couldn't recommend it at the top of the episode, go fucking see, or on HBO Max, watch The Suicide Squad. Motherfucking Starl the Conqueror, baby. Okay, I need to watch it. <laughs> Not really a spoiler, sorry. That's the villain. <laughs> I don't care about spoilers. This is a good one. You guys gotta keep going. <laughs> Avengers. The, sh- the big old whales. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, we can count the Chitauri war vessels. Essentially. They're definitely giant monsters. They're uh, giant monsters. I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay. Pretty sure. I mean, you could have just said Hulk as well. <laughs> no, I don't think Hulk I wouldn't have counted. Not they a call monster. him a monster like five different times in that movie. But he's not giant. Loki's like, you brought the monster aboard. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Fine. Are you gonna Are you gonna pick Hulk then in one of these movies or no, what? No, no. Uh, I could. Uh, I will pick a movie that he's in, but he's not the giant monster. Thor Ragnarok. Surtur. That's what I was thinking. Because Hulk calls him a giant monster. <laughs> giant monster. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Ooh, terrible right. giant monster. Galactus counts. Yep, big old fucking space cloud. Uh, let's see. Terrible movie. Um, to bring things around, I don't know if this counts, because they're, they're not technically real. Spider-Man Far From Home? The Elementals? No, those aren't monsters. Okay. Those, are those are digital projections. That's fair. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, 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 what's that movie called I just watched with Anne Hathaway? Um, I know what it is. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep, I know what movie you're talking about. Colossal. Colossal. Let's fucking go. Yep. Love and Monsters. Nice. Okay. Uh, fuck. They're not that big. A Quiet Place? No. Okay. 
five, four. How to train your four. dragon. Which one? How to train your dragon, the hidden world. Okay. There's a giant dragon in that one. There's Trevor. not a giant dragon in the first one. There yeah. is in the second one, and there is in the third in one. In the third one. Tremors. Nice. Yeah, that counts. Tremors definitely counts. Fucking love that movie. Um, Jesus. I've never cared about a list game more. Uh, let's see. <laughs> um, it's your idea. <laughs> Give him the cow. Uh, 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 Raya, Raya and the Lost Dragon. What the, what, what the fuck is that thing they have to fight at the end? The big yeah, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Whatever it's All called. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Onward. Yep. Okay, I haven't seen it, so I'm deferring to you guys on that. Oh, great movie. Um, let's see. Oh, man, it hurts me. Uh, in the same vein as Fantastic Four, Green Lantern. Yep. Ghostbusters. Yep. Ghostbusters 2. Okay. The new Ghostbusters. <laughs> yep. Um, of course, now I don't remember the one that's coming out, whatever it's called. Paul read one. Uh, shit. Five. Four. Three. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yep. Basilisk counts as a giant monster. Or Aragog. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yep. Well, yep. There'd be dragons. There'd be dragons, and then there'd be an acromantula at the end as well. Not in the movie, but yes. Oh, fucking hell, that stupid movie. <laughs> uh, let's see. Man. Uh, the Clash, t uh, Clash of Titans. Yep. Another Kraken. Wrath of the Titans. <clears throat> also accurate. I was waiting for those to come up. <laughs> um... Five, four, three, two, fuck, one, and time. Shit. Uh, Damon. Ship troopers. Oh, fuck yeah, off. That would have counted. <laughs> Damon is the winner of the list, all important list game here. I got to say, that might have been the longest list game on the show. I think the only one that got even close was when we did weed strains together, boys. <laughs> this is the, because the most stakes, like, let's explain why we decided to do this. Because this Damon and I had the both, we both have the same one we wanted because there's not a whole lot to pick from for this topic, right? Uh, yes, when it comes to best on-screen romances, there is, in Spider-Man movies, I think we all agree there is a clear, clear choice. And basically this list game 
we did it to determine which one gets to argue it because we don't want to just throw it out, just like we didn't throw out the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse scene. So Kyle lost. Damon is the winner. Damon, will you announce your choice for best on-screen romance? Yes. Uh, and I'll go ahead and start my time because I'll go first. All right. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone as Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. Feel that burn, Kyle. Okay, feel it. Um, the two have this electric energy that crackles when they're on screen together. Uh, you know, it could be because they're both insanely gorgeous and talented actors, but, you know, it really works. Uh, you know, maybe it could be their real life, you know, seeping into it. Maybe, just maybe. But uh, Peter and Gwen are all eyes, and those unspoken looks at the beginning uh, just work so well. And then, then you get them actually being a couple, and that just works even better. Uh, they're, they're cute together. They're fun. Uh, the, the scenes are, are really, you know, just intriguing and interesting. You're not, like, zoning out or, hope, you know, waiting for the action or, or for the next scene to happen. Uh, you know, like when the, she comes in to help Peter with the lizard, you know, at the school, you know, and he spins her close and they share that look and he's like, I'm gonna throw you out the window now. You're what? And he just, just, just chunks her, you know, uh, that's some good shit. Right. Um, you know, and then you have their, their shared moment when she's tending to his wound, you know, uh, the massive gash on his chest. And, you know, that's just a really intimate really heartfelt scene that really builds their relationship and shows you that, you know, they just really like each other and they're, they feel comfortable together. Uh, they, they just building this really strong, solid foundation of a relationship and it's working so well and it just builds and builds and you feel the stakes towards the end, you know, when she's in trouble and, and thankfully she gets out of harm's way um, and then, of course, even as flawed as Amazing Spider-Man 2 is, the best parts of that movie is the, the times they share together, okay? And it still guts me when they decide to kill her. Because, like, you feel the pain. As, as flawed as, you know, all the things tied around it, it still hurts. And it just shows you how much of a relationship they built together in the span of the two movies and it's easily the best on-screen romance um i mean come on i it it it, it ha it's number one it is definitely the best one they're just like even they don't have to say anything on screen together they're just like kind of eye-fucking each other to be honest half of the movie and you're like, yeah, they, you know, these crazy kids are, are in love, you know, and you see it, you know, happen and unfurl. And you, then you see it becoming, guess, you know, I have to say she wasn't a hostage in this movie, you know, big ups to them for uh, for not doing that. Like in the Spider-Man movies, the first ones, you know, with Aunt May and MJ, but just <laughs> saying, um, good it's just, you know. Has nothing to do with it, but still, I really don't have much else to say other than by far they have the best chemistry of any of the other couples and relationships. So, I see my time. All right, David, seeing the last forty seconds of his time, 
<clears throat> I gotta say, if you guys were ever wondering when Amazing Spider-Man 2 was gonna come in, obviously this is here. Um, all right, uh, Kyle, do you have your choice ready? Give me one second real quick. Sure. One second. No worries. I'm just gonna keep vamping while I... Hey, well, you can second. keep vamping. I can talk about how seeing Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone on see- on stage together, like Damon said, is was literally like watching them eye fuck each other, and boy, was it sexual, and it was glorious. They made a whole SNL skit out of it. I, you know, it's well worth it, because it j- you just see it. You just saw it pop off the screen. As Damon has said all this, just repeating what he said. Kyle does look like the Ben Affleck meme himself. Now that I've now that I've been dramatic, appropriately dramatic, um, fuck you, Damon. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, you can start my time. Fuck it. Um, All right, whenever you're ready. Because I can't go for Peter and Gwen, I'm going to go with another relationship that, although there is a clear winner here, there's another relationship that is very strong, and it is Pete and MJ. Not in the Raimi trilogy. Pete and MJ in the MCU Spider-Man movies. This is how much I love them, because I hate both movies, but I love Pete and MJ together in Far From Home. I love them together in Far From Home. And this is how strong it is in one movie because there is no inkling of it happening in the first movie, right? You get her making fun of him for a while, which is very accurate to what it is like to like someone in high school, right? When you're a kid and you kind of want to like lead on that you like them. Um, and, And Far From Home, it's just played up so well. One of the biggest strengths of it is that it's awkward. It's so awkward. It's not this immediate... Like Damon said, these two incredibly attractive people, uh, I fucking each other. Um, it is very authentic. It's very genuine. It's these two people who don't really know how to approach dating another person and flirting with another person and basically like telling someone how you feel about them. They play it to perfection. This may have been another example of art imitating life. We still don't have a clear answer on whether they're dating. I think they are. Um, and the fact that, you know, you get the one of the funniest things of that movie is the Ned and Betty relationship. But the fact that that gets overshadowed in every scene by the sheer chemistry between Pete and MJ. I mean, again, they're awkward. They're dorky together. Um, MJ finds out about him being Spider-Man, which I don't always love in these movies, but it works really well. It's very genuine. Um, and she ends up helping him. You know, one one of the biggest strengths about this MJ over Kirsten Dunst's MJ is that she's not helpless and she helps in the action. Like she helps him fight and she is smart and she can hold her own, right? Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's adorable. It's very genuine. They're both very awkward. They're kids. They're supposed to be like, what, 17, 16 in this movie. Um, and that's what 16-year-olds are like when they're in love. You know, it's puppy love. It's their first basically their first love so of course they would not know how to approach it they would not know how to go about telling each other how they feel i love the the little like love triangle they have with the two of them and what's his ass that no one likes uh just it's just so fun right it's it's so real and true and genuine to what it's like to be in high school and to have that those budding feelings about someone you didn't really consider before peter didn't even she wasn't even on his radar in the first movie he was into liz and he was trying to approach something with that obviously that turned out great because her dad was the fucking vulture uh it's way less complicated with mj 
Um, and I love that too. You know, one thing that really bogs down the Raimi movies is how complicated it gets with Pete and MJ. It feels like a fucking Twilight movie sometimes. It's just so like, well, you know, I can't be with you, but I can be with you, but I can't be with you. Um, and the great thing about Pete and MJ is just, it's sweet. It's innocent. It's not complicated for one movie. I'm sure they're going to explore more of it with no way home because it doesn't end with like a question. It ends with a period of like, yes, they are together now. They're, they're, they're a couple. Um, and so I'm excited to see what happens with no way home because he's going to be on the run. He's going to be meeting other Spider-Men probably. We'll see how that plays into their relationship. But I think it's a genuine, authentic, awkward relationship. It's very sweet, very endearing and eat shit, Damon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a brilliant way to end your argument. I got to say, I'm I'm continue to be impressed by Kyle's arguing skills. And well, he is he is young, so he would be able to tell us about puppy love. Uh, <laughs> I have to get the dig in. Come on. Um, I will say really did love. I really did love a lot of points brought up by Kyle right there. It was strong, strong points. Uh, Damon also with the strong points. So Damon, your rebuttal whenever you would like to begin. So. This MJ and Peter are definitely better than the uh, Raimi Peter and MJ. Like I've talked before, the Raimi MJ was a little rough. You know, you know, I won't go down that road again, but we, we know what happened, what she did twice. You know, those those moves were really rough. <laughs> uh, and, and then, like, we get the whole, like, really the whole thing with Harry and her and spy and Peter, like that whole triangle is, is kind of rough as well. A little is very complicated. Uh, you don't believe that they're, you know, the relationship is on the rocks a lot of the time, you know, you, and I don't think their chemistry really clicks. So it's definitely better than them. But when we're talking about it, it's not better than Gwen and Peter. When Peter just pop and, and sizzle and crackle and all the all the other really fun, exciting words to say. Um, <laughs> it makes that movie, okay? MJ and and Tom Holland's Peter, they're good, but they don't make those movies. They maybe, you know, enhance them, make them better than they are, but like they're not pivotal to the movies. And I also think we have more to see with their relationship. And maybe it could end up being better down the road when we have more context and more growth from them. Definitely possible. But the story we got between Gwen and Peter was ended. It you know, had a beginning and end. It was beautiful. It was tragic. It was fantastic. I definitely think it's better. Oh. All right, good, very strong rebuttal, especially like the ending coming in there, tying things back again. All right, Kyle, this is your chance. If you can argue the best argument that you can make, you might win. I am impartial. Um, In The Amazing Spider-Man 2, there is a whole sequence devoted to Peter Parker following Gwen Stacy, who is his then ex-girlfriend around the streets of New York, unbeknownst to her. Uh, Because of Mark Webb's troublesome tendencies with 500 Days of Summer, this is 
portrayed as a cute scene and not as a toxic stalking scene. We get nothing of the sort with Pete and MJ. Um, they're unproblematic. They don't. I would mention that at the end of The Amazing Spider-Man, because of the promise that Captain Stacy makes Pete uphold, he wants to like stay away from her. And then at the end of the movie, they do the stupid ass gotcha moment where he's in class and he's like, I'm sorry, I promise it'll never happen again to the teacher. And she's like, don't make promises you can't keep. And he leans over to Gwen and says, but those are the best kind. Uh, it's really cheesy. Um, it's this weird like, oh, you just promised her dead like her dying father that you would stay away from her to keep her safe. And now you're disrespecting that kind of a tough look, right? I mean, love conquers all, but that's still rough, right? Uh, Pete and MJ don't have that. Like I said, they're unproblematic, uncomplicated. It's just puppy love, right? And she signs up for it. Like I said, she finds out who he is in the second movie and says, you know what? I'm here for it. Like, I knew this before you could even tell me. I knew you were Spider-Man, and I, I, I'm I, in. I want to be with you regardless. Um, there's no problematic scenes of him stalking her through the streets of New York. Nothing like that. You get all these cute scenes of these young kids who are falling in love. And, yeah, because they're not old enough to be problematic. They're just children, and they're not toxic. And it's great. It's wholesome. It's sweet. It's a movie where you can just root for them and kind of forget everything else in the movie. Uh, eat shit, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, once again, ending his argument strong with the insult. <laughs> I was going to add something, but I don't even want to. You know, I'll just let your vulgarness, vulgarity, speak for itself. And that His the- vulgarity right after arguing for wholesomeness. And, you know... <laughs> He had to take a diss at Twilight as alongside uh, stalking comments. It's just, it's, it's, well, there's some well executed callbacks in there. It's a strong argument. I like it, but. It- Wait, Wahid, I, I remembered, actually. I just actually forgot what I was going to say. I actually do want to say it because fuck you, Kyle, you piece of shit. <laughs> I mean. <clears throat> what was, what was, what was. I'll give you 30 seconds. What was Peter going to say to dying, dying old dad? Nah, yeah, no, that's a hard no, boss. Uh, I'm a, I'm a dater. Sorry, sorry about you. Have, Would have been have more a... honest. Who, who's going to do that to someone dying? Really? Like... Could have worded it better. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making the argument about what he said or didn't say to Captain Stacy. It's about what he. The immediate like next couple scenes are him breaking that promise. Yes. 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 They are. However, as the impartial <laughs> judge, I gotta say, this is about the best on-screen romance. It's not about which Peter Parker is the best person. <laughs> and I. I mean, Kyle, you made a very, very strong argument. You came very close. But it is Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone as Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. They have the best chemistry. The romance really does pop. And Damon nailed all of those parts while he did knock down Peter and MJ a bit because Kyle's main argument in the first part was just how they were better than the other Peter and MJ and not really about how they were better than Peter and Gwen. Um, (laughs) And the rebuttal wasn't strong enough to, you know, make up for that fact. So Damon is, in fact, the winner. He takes home the trophy with best on-screen romance. Well, well done. done, guys. I would have been legitimately upset if I won because I really wanted Peter and Gwen to win. They're the clear choice. Like, 
like yeah. you said, because like you can watch Amazing Spider-Man 2 and that movie is fucking awful and you can still come away with it loving their connection and it makes her death so sad. The yeah. way that's handled is oh it's done so well. Him like cradling her afterwards. Oh it's It was oh, it so was sad. it was great and it and it being his fault but not his fault at the same yeah. time was also really well done. And Damon bringing up the tragicness of it all. That was a beautiful storyline. I mean, you just you hit every point you needed to hit and Kyle just Kyle got close, but he just couldn't overcome it. I I just I want to bring up before we go, since we were talking about Spider-Man, and I don't know if it'll come up if we ever do a Spider-Man Effies, but like I honestly was really, really hoping for Amazing Spider-Man 3. Because I, I liked Spider Amazing Spider-Man. And this Amazing Spider-Man 2 could have been if it had just hit those right notes, like the world they were building up, you know, with Goblin and all of that was Gwen dying and maybe introducing MJ in the next movie, uh, you know, just just like growing and, and keep going. And uh, then they just, you know, fumbled the I'm bag. Right, I mean, I'm right there with you. I thought uh, I didn't love Amazing Spider-Man, too, but I was like, you know, it's not the best Green Goblin, but it could be good. Yeah, I was I was like, oh, I like the casting of Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. That was fun. That was ridiculously stupid at the end. Look, it's not good, but I would have watched more Spider-Man movies. I didn't know he was going to be in the MCU, all right? Yeah, <laughs> that was a dark time. Like, they came out in 2014, and when, like, there was news that that franchise was getting canned, I was like, oh, shit, when are we going to see another Spider-Man movie? And so, you know, as much as I, I like to complain about the MCU, I'm grateful that they brought Spider-Man back in because now we get more movies with them. And even though you don't like them, they're good and you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I never get to say that on this podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, all right. Um, that's going to be it for me. I'm going to leave it to Damon and Kyle to lead you guys out into the next episodes of the world. I hope you enjoyed Fantasy Face-Off Spider-Man Edition. Wahid, thank you so much. You murdered it. Like, that was just amazing. <laughs> uh and I, I think we did a pretty good job. And I, I won with a, uh, what is that, a 4-2 record? You won with a <laughs> technically 4-3 to three win somehow. <laughs> yeah. This um, is, I mean, this is big. This is the first win of this series. We're definitely going to have, I'm going to keep this on record. So we have, like, Damon's record, my record, whoever else competes. So Damon has the first one. He's 1-0 so far. I'll take it. Um, I just would like to thank all my fans and all my haters and fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And I, I, you know, let us know if you enjoy this format. Uh, you know, if so, we will do more. If not, we'll just say, okay, fine, no more. <laughs> but uh, hope you, I hope I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I hope y'all did too, guys. Uh, anything else to tell the people, Kyle? No, thanks for listening, guys. Again, yeah, Wahid, thank you for hosting and judging. You killed it, my man. Um, we will be hitting you guys next week with Sad Face, our final episode in the Acolytes of Film series. We're doing the 2010s with our friends Dom and Kiki coming back from the 1970s. Um, it's been such a fun series. Can't wait to cap it off with another really, really stacked decade of movies. Uh, yeah, it's going to be good stuff. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Bye, y'all.